But I want to pray, and then we'll jump in. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can be here. Thank you that we could gather here today to meet with you and to, to honor you with, with our worship as we, we sang this morning that we're covered by your grace, that you're the way maker and the promise keeper, that you are light in our darkness. And so, Father, uh, we thank you that you are our salvation. You rescue us. You are the reason why we are here, the one who's given us life. And so I pray that we would hear the voice of God through the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to talk to you this morning in our series, Go Beyond, about love that goes beyond. Love that goes beyond. We talked about faith that goes beyond, an impact that goes beyond. This morning I want to talk to you about love that goes beyond and what would that look like in your life individually if, if God had dropped his love within you, what would that look like, a love that goes beyond? And also us corporately as a church, what would it look like, love that goes beyond? And I want to begin by reading a scripture to you found in Ephesians chapter 2. If you want to open your Bibles there, it's going to be on the screens. Ephesians chapter chapter 2, and it says this, live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you and gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like a sweet perfume to him. Notice it says this, notice it says this, to live a life that is filled with love. Well, you say, well, what does that look like, like a life filled with with love. Well, the next line says this, following the example of Christ. That's what it would look like. And then you say, well, well, what did Christ do? Well, we read on, it says that he sacrificed himself for us here. And so love that goes beyond then is sacrificing your life there. A life filled with love is a life filled with, with sacrifice. And so and then it says that God is pleased with this, that it's like it's an aroma toward God. When you live that way, when you live a life that, that goes beyond in love, goes beyond in sacrifice, it's like this aroma that keeps coming up to God and, and is filling God with this aroma that is just pleasing. He looks down and says, I'm so pleased with you and how you're living your life there. And so today I also want to talk to you and unpack this because this is like um, the, the, uh, the teaching there. But what is the demonstration? What does it look like? What's the illustration? How do we live this out? And so we're going to talk about that from Matthew chapter 26 and see an example of this. But when you think of sacrifice, what is it that you think of? I would like to give us this thought here that sacrifice is, is giving, giving up something that you love for something that you love even more. Giving up something that you love for something that you love even more. And so we're going to unpack this story in Matthew chapter 26. We find this story here. It's also in the Gospel of John chapter 12 and, and chapter 14 of Mark there. So, so important is this story that it's, it's uh, replete in the Gospels there where Mary now gives up something that she loves for someone that she loves even more. And it really is a dramatic moment. It's a very dramatic moment here where in less than a week, Jesus is going to die. Jesus is going to go to Golgotha. He's going to die on a cross. So this is the final, uh, final days of his life. So it's really a critical time period. It's a rare opportunity, a window of opportunity that Mary has here. And so it's interesting in Mark chapter 14, verse 8, commenting on this 
Same story. Mark says this is that she has done what Jesus said. She has done what she could. Isn't that interesting? Jesus would say that about Mary in her act of sacrifice, that the summation of that was she has done what she could. Isn't that an interesting phrase? That, but she knew that this was a rare opportunity where she could really do something for Jesus at the, in the, uh, the twilight of his life on earth here. And so uh, she had a moment, a, a defining moment. And I think there are moments in life that they're like defining moments. And that was, that was it for her. I feel that as a church, we're facing a, a defining moment for us in, in being able to acquire a church campus here. There are moments that you were born for. There are moments that if you're a Christ follower that you were born again for, a window of opportunity there. And so she has done what she could here. And so and I think sometimes when there are those great moments of opportunity, there's another little voice inside of us that says, oh, hold on, take it easy. You know, don't get too fired up about this. Slow down. What are you doing? But Mary here, we're going to see, she just goes for it. And, uh, and all those little voices that come into your mind and the hesitancy that comes, I think, uh, the excuse and their excuses that, that can parade themselves as common sense. Excuses we have not to, to love that goes beyond. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that this morning. So Matthew chapter 26, this beautiful, important story, the story of the alabaster jar there. So, so notice there in verse 6 that it says, Simon, who previously had leprosy. If he didn't previously have leprosy and he was, he was healed by Jesus, Bible scholars know that, that uh, there would not have been anyone there. There had been no one at the party because you never hung around lepers here. But it says he previously had lepers. So this former leper here now is entertaining this, this dinner party with all these, these people here. And so he must have been so stoked, so fired up, so uh, delighted to be able to do something that he could never do here. And so the former outcast now is hosting a dinner. And uh, you just think about what went through his mind. Now he's healthy, now he's whole, now he's excited. Not only was Simon the former leper there, there was Lazarus there, the brother of Mary. And how many people know where Lazarus was just uh, like a week before. You know where Lazarus was? Lazarus was where? He was, he was dead. He was in the grave. Imagine that kind of dinner conversation with Lazarus that was going on there. I say, hey, what was it like on the other side there, Lazarus? What was it like when you were dead? And so then there was Martha. And Martha's like the serving machine there. She's like uh, just cleaning up, doing her thing there. And then all the disciples were there. And there was food and there was drink. So the food and the drink is flowing. They're having a great time. Conversation is happening. Laughter. There's this party there to honor Jesus. They're to celebrate Jesus. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this dramatic moment happens. And Mary enters the room now. And Mary, she's full of gratitude. She's full of gratitude for what Jesus has done, for the words that Jesus has spoken, words of life been spoken over her. And she's so grateful that her brother that was dead is now hosting the party that Jesus is a part of. So you can imagine how she's just overwhelmed with the moment. She's overwhelmed with emotion here. And so now what happens is she has this family possession that it was a, an alabaster jar of this expensive, exotic, imported perfume from India uh, uh, that was, was brought there on camels and was worth tens of thousands of dollars. 
A year's wages could have been, in, in, our, in our, our culture today, could forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. Mean, think about a year's wage that you have. And so there she's about, has this, this alabaster vial, this jar, and it had a long neck on it with a, a little tip. And it was designed to just let out like a drop at a time because that's what was, was needed for like social purposes. And so when people would come in from, uh, guests would come in, they could anoint their head with oil or their feet with oil, wash their feet and anoint them with oil. And so what she does, though, is she smashes the thing open and pours it open on Jesus here. And so now what happens is people are stunned. They're stunned silence. And just think about it, uh, the scene there, if you put yourself at that scene. There you are sitting there, and there's Jesus and Lazarus and Simon and the disciples and all. And then Mary enters the room. And it's interesting, it's interesting that every little expression that Mary has is recorded in the scripture here as if to say God is approving of everything that she's doing. So she's so grateful for Jesus and she breaks open the alabaster jar with this absolute unabashed emotion there. And there she is at Jesus' feet there and pouring out the contents. And suddenly this is what happens. The forks drop, and the conversation ends, and people are there in stunned silence because what she does is so audacious. It's so outrageous. It's unthinkable that she would ever do something like this. And there she's given this extravagant gift where the people are just sitting there in astonishment and amazement. They've never seen anything like this. And, and Jesus says this. She has done what she could. There's many things she couldn't do, but she has done what she could. And verse 7, he says, And while he was eating, a woman came in with the beautiful alabaster bar, jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head there. It was beautiful. It was alabaster. It was, it was exquisitely expensive there. And so, uh, and so this is what she's doing. She's like giving up everything that she has. There are no bank accounts in that day. There were no savings there. This is like her estate. This is like everything that she owns. This is like a family heirloom there. It was her life. Her life savings here was precious to her. And in, and in today's economy, this would have been everything that she would have, have owned in a, in a year's time there. And instead of just sprinkling it, she breaks it open and pours it, sobbing upon Jesus. And in the original language... The Bible is written in. It literally means that there was a thunderstorm of her tears. Sobbing is a thunderstorm of tears that she's pouring over Jesus. And then she begins to take her hair and to wipe her, 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 uh, her hair over his feet there where there was the perfume. And so she's overwhelmed with emotion. She's just absolutely overwhelmed. And instead of doing the cultural thing of the day, and just give it a little drop or a little bit of a, just a little dabble do you. She doesn't do that. She breaks the thing wide open there. And she loves Jesus. It's a demonstration. She has done what she could. It's a demonstration of her love for Jesus. That's what we're, we're beholding here. That she didn't hold anything back. She's not a wealthy woman. She doesn't have like great resources. And so she's essentially, she's breaking the bank is what she's doing here. She didn't have the means to do what she was doing. Didn't have the resources to do it. But Jesus said she is doing what she could there. 
And so she pours out a year's value of perfume. And she's telling Jesus this, you mean more to me than anything. And that's why I'm doing this. And so she gave up something she loved for someone that she loved even more. And so Mary's story, I think it speaks to us here. And so it speaks to us that she did what she could. Sometimes I think in the Christian life, you just do what you, you can there. She gives up the one thing she valued most. Her gift demonstrates that she, she prioritized her Savior over all else. And so now I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. There was a scent of sacrifice there that filled the room. It was very strong. And so it fills the room. And so what happens now is that her example, her example here is beginning to influence the room. All of the room now, they're, they're, they're smelling uh, the, the scent of her sacrifice there. And now think about this. Think about this. That Mary then, she's taking her hair, and she, we learn about it in the other Gospels, and she's wiping the feet of Jesus there. That is covered with the oil there. Uh, and so now her hair and her person is beginning to have the, the scent of sacrifice. And so this oil-based perfume there that's in her hair, that would have given off uh, that, that, uh, that, that breathtaking, beautiful odor there for days and weeks ahead. Imagine that. Imagine that. The people that she would encounter there, they were impacted by what she did. How, how is her hair full of this, this, this breathtaking, beautiful odor? And what happened there? And so not only, not only were the disciples impacted, but everywhere she went, she impacted others by the scent of her sacrifice. Think about that. I mean, have you ever met someone that you were just impacted by their life and by just there's a scent, an aroma of their sacrifice? I was with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and this very thing happened to me that I was so impacted by the scent of his sacrifice. And he was telling me about, uh, he's a church pastor, um, and, uh, and he was leading his church, and he was in the, to build uh, uh, their, their building. And he shared, shared with me, he said, Rod, said, I felt that I needed to lead the way, and I had a number in my head, and I didn't tell anyone that number, but to reach the number, the only way that I could get to the number to make that sacrifice is I had to give my, my son's college tuition to do it. I thought, oh, it really affected me because I have three sons and, and I'm putting one through college right, right now. I thought, oh, I didn't say anything. I was just, I was, uh, it was a late night conversation. I was just listening to him and he said, and, and I gave it up because I felt that to, to, to do what God was calling me to do and to make the sacrifice, I, I, I sacrificed his tuition. I just sat there drinking it in. I was like, oh, wow. That was, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. And so he said, but I, it was a moment for me. He says, it was about my trusting God. He said, I realized I needed to trust God. And, and I trusted God that God would make a way, but I didn't know how he was going to do it. But to do what I felt, uh, to honor the number he put in, in, in my heart and mind, I did that. And he, and he said, and I, I said, and I'm so not like this, but I got this book deal. And I got this book deal, and then the book deal, and, 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 I, and I, did the, I did the book. Uh, it was actually a Bible kind of commentary thing. And so uh, he said, I did that, and, and I got a check for it afterwards. I was not looking for it, and the check was the exact same amount as the tuition that I'd given. And just the, 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 the sacrifice that he made and the scent of his sacrifice has just lingered, like I'm sure Mary's hair. 
Everywhere she went, you could, you could, you could see and smell the, 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 the scent, the aroma of the sacrifice that she made. Perhaps you've been impacted by somebody that way. And so, verse 8 here, though, I want to point something out. Is that other people don't understand sacrifice. It says the, the disciples, verse 8, were indignant when they saw this. Oh, what a waste. What a waste was what they were saying there. And so the gift that she made, I want us to see this, though it was pleasing to God, it was perplexing to people. Perplexing to people here. It was puzzling to them. And you can feel the scorn of the, of the crowd there looking at her uh, uh, with disapproving eyes there. That it, what, what is this foolish act that you're doing there? And so and they're raising their eyebrows and criticizing her about what a waste it is. And again, when you make sacrifices, the reality is this. Is that people are not going to understand why you make sacrifices, especially before God. And look at verse 9. It says, they said, it could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. And then that sounds so spiritual. Doesn't sound, that sound so reasonable here? The lots of people out there, all the poor folk there, we could have sold this, or we could have given it to them, and then they would have been taken care of. This is such a waste here. What Jesus does, though, he defends her. And the woman would have her critics. I just want to say that if you step out in your life and you trust God, you will have your critics, they're going to criticize you for making the decisions that you do. In fact, the greatest critic was Judas. And look at what Judas says. You look at the script, look on the screens here. It says, Judas said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Yeah, that sounds so spiritual and so reasonable. And then we read the next verse here. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. Since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. You see, that's what he did here, that, uh, that he stole money from Jesus. I mean, people do the same thing today here. And so, but when we're talking about uh, building a building and going beyond here, we're not talking about choosing between the poor, choosing between a building. We're talking about doing both. As a church community, we're, we do both. I mean, I don't know any church our size that does as much as we do. I know any church that, that does as much outreach, that feeds us 21 students, up to 21 students a week, gives out, you know, hundreds and hundreds of sleeping bags to the community. By the way, December 15th, we're going to have another batch uh, to give you, to give to the homeless there. But we serve uh, the women, uh, serve food at Youth Hope and Redlands. Uh, uh, we have food distribution here. Uh, we help the hungry. We help the addicted. Uh, we help uh, foster children. Uh, but friends, but friends, listen. People don't just need bread. They also need the bread of life. They need the bread of life. And there's a quarter million people within the 10-mile radius here that people that, that most of don't have any kind of connection to a faith community. So that's why we want to do what we want to do here in getting a, a new campus. And so, but we will continue to feed the poor here. And so, but let's be honest. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter uh, where you uh, where you stand with uh, uh, your finances there is that people will always criticize you for, for what you do there. And so people will always not understand the importance of your sacrifice. And so um, having said that, uh, again, she has done what she could. And so 
we hear this story of Mary, and it, uh, it stirs you, it motivates you for what she did there, her outrageous sacrifice. And Jesus says, this story will always be told. In other words, for generations it will be told because it really is a picture of the gospel here, of the good news. So, And here we are a couple thousand years later, and we're still telling the story of her sacrifice here. And so, uh, and God really did the same thing. Where God broke an alabaster box here and poured it out, poured out that which was most precious on all of us. Not a few little drops there, but broke it open, wide open. The blood of Christ was shared, was shed for us here. And so, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what about your alabaster box? All of us have something that is precious to us. What about us? What about us individually? What would that look like if we're to break our alabaster box and pour it out upon Jesus? What about God who poured out his son Jesus sacrificially shedding his blood for us? And so I really believe that what we do next week, what we do next week is going to be one of the most important things, if not the defining moment of this church. As on December 8th, we bring our alabaster boxes, jars to Jesus. And what we're going to do is make our commitments there for the next, for the new property. So I want to be really clear about it, what we're doing. So we bought a property for $600,000, which is deal of the century, only God could have made a way for that to happen. 4.5 acres, prime property, the 20,000 square foot building on it that we need to remodel. But it's $600,000. So we've made a good faith deposit, 30,000. So what we want to do is, our goal though is to pay that off. So next week we're asking you to just bring whatever gift you can to that, above and beyond your normal giving, as well as then to make our commitments our three-year commitments here. And so there's a picture of the property if you haven't seen it. And I really believe that it's for such a time as this, that God has, God has called us to be here. We're the people. This is the time. This is the opportunity that once in a, in a, a long time or a lifetime opportunity here. And so where we could be actually be pioneers, where we could be stakeholders, or we could do something that is historic that will bless this, this uh, community for generations to come. And so the only thing, I really believe this, that as I've prayed through it and, uh, and thought through it and processed is the only thing that is standing between us and this great opportunity is us bringing our alabaster jars before Jesus and saying, I'm doing what I can. And so uh, th- this morning, what I wanted to do is explain this and kind of walk through it here. And so I imagine that some of us are wrestling with not that we want to be a part of it, not that we want to give, but we want to give how much. And so in utter and complete transparency, I am doing the same thing. It's not a question of do I want to do this or my wife, do we want to do this, but how much? So I want to talk about that for a moment, because if you've ever been thinking about doing something great and uh, a legacy or something like that, I think that the time is now. And so, but I get it that we, we wrestle and we have these, these uh, objections in our mind. I just wanted to talk about that a little bit, because I think one objection can be that, well, 
I like the church, but there's this thing over here. This, I, didn't, I disagreed with that. And, and, uh, and I like 90% or 95%. But this one thing over here that I'm not, I'm not happy about, you know, I would say, well, I would just encourage us not to overlook the 90% or the 95%, which is good, and hyper-focus on the 5% and miss the magnitude of what God is doing here. God is doing great things in us and through us, just like the, the pictures that we saw there. And so um, don't miss the magnitude of what God is doing here. And let me say this. Like, I'm the pastor of the church, and there's things that I don't like about the church. <laughs> there's things that I, don't, that I don't like. But I don't miss the magnitude of, of, of the greatness of what God is doing. And let me say this also, that I think sometimes... If we're going to make a gift, we might bump up into like, oh, how do the spouses feel about this? And maybe, you know, it's like you don't always agree on everything here. And I think that as you pray it through and talk it through, if there's a disparity there, this is what I would say. If you can't come to a, an agreement, just go to, the, go to the, the, lower, the lower number there. Because more important than anything is just our, our marriages and our marital harmony there. I heard about there's a church in Washington that makes a guarantee that if people honor God uh, with their resources, that at the end of the year, if God has not supplied all of their, their needs there, they will refund every single dime, and, uh, and it's a guarantee that they make. And I'd like to make the same guarantee. I'd like to make the same guarantee that if we trust God for three years in this Go Beyond initiative to get the property there, have our own campus, Give really like we've never given. If at the end of three years, God has not supplied our needs, that church in Washington will refund you (laughs) every dime you've invested. I thought you were going to miss that. I thought you were going to miss that there. So, uh, hey, but you know what the greatest objection is, is this. The greatest objection is this. The greatest objection is there resides within us like this noble you. And there also this resides within us this like the more less noble, the little more selfish, the little leaning toward narcissism you. So within us there's the, the noble you, and also there's the little narcissistic, selfish me, and what all that I could do with what I'm going to give there. And if you have any doubts about about this here, I would just say remember that the only way that we, the only safe eternal investment is to invest in, in what God is doing in the earth. If you have doubts about what God wants you to do, I just want to read a couple of verses. They're actually in your notes there. Matthew 6.21 says it, For your, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And someone once said that when you lay up, uh, when you, uh, when you lay up treasures in heaven, they're laid up. What really happens is treasures on earth are laid down. When we lay down treasures on earth, we're laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Luke, of course, well-known scripture, given it will be given to you. And so with the same measure that you give, it will be given back to you, like my friend that I talked about. And I love 2 Samuel, where David said, David said, I'm not going to give to the Lord an offering or a sacrifice, something that just doesn't cost me anything there. And so next week on December 8th, we're going to be breaking our alabaster vials and uh, so that, watch, so that the fragrance, the aroma of Christ can be experienced in our communities for generations to come. And so this is a, 
what can we do moment here. So friend time, friends, I just want to say that, again, sometimes this is an opportunity that they only come around just occasionally, perhaps once in a lifetime. And this is that once in a lifetime for us here. So everyone is being able to, everyone is being asked to engage in this spiritual and prayerful uh, process here about making a three-year commitment. And so, and it's not about really uh, just uh, um, an amount, but really just making some sacrifice. And it's between you and God. It's just, it's between you and God and, and no one else. And so, uh, but this is what is going to happen to uh, make the future vision and relocate into our next campus happen. And so, it really is, is a rare window of opportunity here. And so next weekend will be Commitment Weekend. So this is what I want to do. Uh, we, we did these, these offering cards here. They're in your, your seats there. I just wanted to talk about this. So as I process this myself uh, about bringing a commitment, and so um, I told you that um, my dad gave me uh, a watch. Uh, it's a, it's a, he had a thing about watches. I don't. But he had this thing about watches. And so he gave me... Um, expensive watches. And so, uh, so I actually sold the watch last week. And, uh, uh, and so, and the jeweler that, that I sold, that we sold it to, uh, told us what it was worth. And then gave us, gave like a, another large amount on top of that because heard about what the church was doing. And so, uh, anyway, so that for me, like, uh, that's part of my cash gift here that I'm going to do. So what we need to do is we want to be able to pay off the property. So we do need the three-year commitments, but we need to front load this uh, as much as we can, as fast as we can. So next weekend, we're going to have a fun service. Uh, we're going to have a, a celebration type service. Uh, we're going to have communion. We're going to bring our, our, our Go Beyond commitment cards here. And uh, so, um, but I'm hoping and praying that those of you that could do something above and beyond would be able to do that. And so, and then on the lower right side there, uh, it talks about uh, how we do this. And it's, obviously, it's up to us how we do it. If we would do it once a year, once a month, or every couple of weeks, or whatever. And then suggested ways about how we can be creative. And so, um, this is what I know, is that every church, every church in America that uh, resides in a building, the people made a sacrifice to make that happen. And so we are joining in, in a, a long list of, of tens and hundreds of thousands of faith communities doing the same thing that they did here. And so, and then up at the top there, I'm just going to help you sort through uh, what would make sense for you. There's a, a little chart right there. And so, um, and so we're going to be doing that next uh, next week there. And so, uh, and so, and we get it that sometimes things change. It's not a binding commitment or anything like that. It's just a, a, an intention. If you're here and you're thinking, well, I will do that, but you know, I'm not going to do this card thing. But, but here's why it's so important. Here's why it's so important. Because we want to secure a construction loan. And the way that the banks work with, with uh, that we're working with is that we bring our, 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 um, our commitments to them. And then they loan us money based on our commitments. That's how the bank will work. And so if you have good intentions, but it's not written down, we cannot, we, our leaders cannot really do anything with that. And so uh, and I really think, uh, really as, as I've prayed through it, uh, one, of my, one of the things I got clarity on is this, is that a lot of people just do a little over a long period of time. We will get there. A lot of people do a little 
over a long period of time. I think we underestimate what we can do. Like say, uh, just somebody has a, does Starbucks, like five bucks a day, Starbucks, to kick the habit like that. That's like $5,500. What, what an amazing gift that would be. Just a little drink offering there. Uh, uh, people that uh, maybe, you love burritos, I love burritos, but uh, you have burrito therapy uh, on a regular basis there. Just give a, you know, burrito therapy like once a week for a few years. That like translates to like seven, $8,000 just giving up a little burrito and having something else there. And so let me be very clear that well, next week we want to raise to 600000 as quick as possible. Our ultimate goal is $2.8 million there. And so uh, I close with this. I close with this. this is what about our alabaster jars? Oh, what are we going to do with that? So I believe that this is the time and we are the people And this is the place. And so if you would bow your heads with me, let's pray. And Father, I believe that um, you're asking us to break open um, our alabaster jars and to sacrifice something we love or something and someone we love even more. And Father, I thank you that you broke open your alabaster jar for us. You were extravagant for for us. You lavished on us the riches of your grace that you gave your extravagant gift in the person of Jesus Christ, the most outrageous gift worth far more than, than we ever deserve. So, Father, I thank you for that great opportunity. Thank you for, as a church, a defining moment. Father, and may we pour out to you in, in, in love that goes beyond, in sacrifice that goes beyond, in what you would be well pleased. In Jesus' name, amen.